0: Okay, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 7. We're going to uh, continue on in, in Luke chapter 7. And this account in Luke chapter 7, I think we'll start around verse 11 or so, is uh, is the account of Jesus raising a, a widow woman's son from, from the dead. And the, the, uh, the focus of the chapter, it seems, or the focus of this section anyway, seems like it is more on the woman than it is on the young man who is raised from the dead. There are other accounts in the Gospels where... Jesus raised someone from the dead, and so we know that he has the power over death, and we're going to see that again today, Um, but it seems to me like Luke's focus as he uh, writes uh, chapter 7, verse 11 through 17, is not on the man that is raised from the dead, but it's on the provision that Jesus gives for his mother, and we'll see that as we go along. Um, it, it makes me think you know ha- have you ever tried to comfort someone who was going through uh, just horrible times just the uh, times of grief times of loss times of worry and anxiety where you just didn't know if things would work out or or whatever and you you uh, come to comfort that person and we all have been there in those situations we've all been the one trying to comfort uh, someone else who's in those situations and we all come the same way with spiritual words uh, I'm Not saying that tongue in cheek. I mean true biblical uh, words of encouragement and exhortation from Scripture, uh, God's word that uh, we know is true and we know is right, and uh, you know uh, things that uh, you know that He uh, promises that He has made to His children that I'll never leave you, forsake you. Uh, We come with those um, with those words from Scripture, and that's exactly the way that we should come, and those words are true. But if you've ever If you've ever tried that, if you've ever been in that position, you know that it's it's different when it's you. I mean, it's it's different when you're going through these times of worry, times of anxiety, times of uncertainty or grief, or, or all the things that go along with the suffering of this life. It's different when it's you. You know that those things are true, and you have given advice to other people, you know, and God will never leave you or forsake you. Quoted verses that you know in your heart, you know that they are true. You know that they are right. You know that they apply to your specific situation. But man, it's a fight when it's you, when it's when it's the uncertainty is plaguing you and assaulting you. It's a fight to trust God uh, when, you know, that trust that he has everything under control. And although we don't know exactly what the plan is for tomorrow or the next day, we know that that God is working all things uh, for our good for, to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Uh, the the point of this is that we need to hear it. I mean, we need to hear it over and over and over and over again. We need to preach it to ourselves. We need to have others to encourage us, to come alongside us. Uh, you know, we know in we know in our heart that it's true. For instance, if I'm going through a, a, a tough time, if I'm going through a loss or a, a period of uncertainty or anxiety, uh, I know the Bible verses that, that I would quote to somebody else if they were going through such time. But there's a difference when it's you. You need someone to come alongside you and in and, and the spirit of God with the Word. Of God, just to tell you that you know He hasn't left you. He has promises for those who have been born again by the Spirit of God. We have to hear it. We have to hear it over and over again. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, "Lest we let these things slip." There's no such thing as neutral. Uh, neutral means going backwards. We are we are pressing forward, in the the gospel, hearing the truth that we have in Christ and who we are in Christ, and the provision that Christ has made for us uh, in this life. And in the next, we have to hear it over and over and over again. So this section, verse eleven, verses eleven through seventeen, is uh, is is going to be focused on the power of Christ's word to provide for us. Now, what He provides in this instance, we're going to see that He provides this widow woman's son uh, back from the dead. Uh, you know, to uh, to. Be with her to you know, uh, you know those kind of things to uh, provide for her because she was a widow and couldn't provide for herself. But as we look uh, at Luke chapter seven, we're we're going to start in verse eleven. Uh, this section of scripture comes directly after the healing of the centurion servant. We saw that uh, previously in uh, Luke chapter seven. In, in that episode where the centurion servant is healed, uh, we see Jesus. Jesus demonstrated that he has authority over over sickness, over the fallen creation, just by his word. The authority is uh, is of Christ is recognized by the centurion. Remember, uh, the centurion told Jesus that I am also a man who has authority. You know, I tell others to go. And they go and they go. And I tell these to come and they come. And he trusts in Jesus and in Jesus's authority so much uh, to heal his servant. He says, you don't even need to come to my house. You just you just speak the word and it will be done. And of course, we know that it was done. So starting in verse 11, we see this is this is another miracle of Christ that is it's brought about simply by simply by Jesus's work. The episode shows us uh, it shows us much more about who. Who this Christ is that we serve, but it goes further than that. Jesus's word has the power over all of creation. But we also see in the section that our God in Christ is not just—he's not just the supreme uh, overseeing authority uh, that is uh, uh, standing, you know, uh, haphazardly over creation, orchestrating events. Uh, of course, that is that is true. He's sovereign and powerful in all things, but he has—he's—he's uh, he's over. Come with compassion for the fall for fallen humanity. You're going to see that in Christ here. Those who are those who are broken, find themselves in the the hopelessness of the effects of the fall. Have they have a champion that's gone before them and 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 offers the the perfect redemption and salvation from sin and and death that came about because of because of the fall. So the first thing we're going to see in this text. Is uh, We're going to see In this section Is You're going to see Two colliding Crowds Crowds that Are Are colliding colliding together. Uh, Verse 11, let me just read verse 11 and 12. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. See the crowd following him? And verse 12, as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. So what you see here is a. it's almost like a picture of the collision of two kingdoms. Let me me show you what I mean. Jesus has been, of course, going about the countryside, healing, curing lepers, preaching the kingdom of God. Um, uh, In Christ, the kingdom of God has been breaking into reality. Because of the fall of mankind, uh, the the creation, of course, you know this story, was plunged into sin and darkness. Now sickness and death are a reality. Slavery to sin, the hopelessness of obtaining righteousness, they're they're just facts of life. But, But Christ came healing disease and proclaiming the forgiveness of, of sin, just you know, not just so people would be healed, uh, but also to demonstrate that uh, with Christ, the effects of the fall are being done away with. And of course, we know that there there's coming a day when there'll be a new heaven and new earth and the the, the reality of sin and death will, will, will be no more. Uh, Christ will bring the renewal of a perfect evening. This is what we're seeing in in the healing of people, in the causing blinded eyes to see, in the raising of people from the dead. What we're seeing is the inbreaking of that kingdom that will be consummated when there will be no more sickness or blindness or death or all those things. We're seeing that breaking into reality uh, right as Christ is coming uh, to uh, preaching and teaching on the kingdom of God um, this is what his healing and his preaching was all about the kingdom of God has come it's uh it's inaugurated in the coming of Christ uh, established at the death and resurrection of Christ and of course it'll be consummated for all time at the at the second coming of Christ so so Jesus comes healing and preaching the kingdom of God with all these that are that are following him this crowd they were listening to him speak watching his works as the kingdom of God was being proclaimed to them Uh, but then on the other hand you have this other crowd this other crowd was coming in the other direction. This this group is marked by the kingdom of darkness. What I mean by that is because of the fall, because of the kingdom of darkness, because of uh, sin and death in the world. Here is a mother who has lost her son to death, uh, and because death in its power has taken this man, this woman here is is plunged into uh, she's plunged into utter hopelessness. I mean, she is a widow, so she's lost her husband already. Uh, now her only son, the text says her only son, this is the only provider that she has. She's utterly and hopelessly Alone, the the funeral. This funeral procession is it's accompanied by a crowd of mourners, and these these might be people of the town who knew the family and are general genuinely mourning. Uh, but you know, it could be as was the custom of the day that whenever someone died, like professional mourners would would attend the funeral and they would quite cry and weep and weep to uh, to uh, to show the that the family was loved or, or whatever. Whatever the case, the crowd uh, seeing and hearing uh, about the inbreaking of the kingdom of God's kingdom, runs into another crowd that has seen the effects of the fall firsthand that are mourning death, that are mourning this uh, passing of the son and this woman who now has no one to care for her. Uh, There was no welfare in this day and age. You either, a family took care of you or you begged or you sold yourself into slavery. And so this woman is not only dealing with the loss of her son and the grief that accompanies that, uh, dealing with the grief that accompanies the loss of her husband. But she is facing uncertainty now like you and I could not believe. I mean, she's not just facing the uncertainty of, you know, uh, dang, I wonder what's going to happen tomorrow. Now she's I mean, she's facing the uncertainty of not knowing where her meals are going to come from, not knowing about her very survival. So what would be the the outcome when God's kingdom faces off with the kingdom of darkness here? These two crowds run into each other, one hearing about the kingdom of God from Christ, the other mourning because death and and the effect of sin on the creation has taken this family member. um there isn't any of us who isn't affected by the fall. you and i you and I have. Man, we've all faced the sting of death. It is as you know, it's taken our loved ones. Uh, we've all known the slavery to sin before Christ redeemed us and we were born again. Uh, perhaps there there are, are, are some here who are still in that, that slavery, have not yet experienced the salvation of God. But but even if you're a believer today, you definitely know the reality of the struggle with the flesh. You understand that even though we have been changed by and ushered into the kingdom of God, we we still endure the effects of the fall as we we grow in our knowledge uh, of our sin and grow in our faith, grow in our repentance as God reveals that sin to to us. So I'm saying all this because it's going to be uh, really important for all of us to know and trust in who this Jesus is that speaks to this woman. Uh, I mean, yes, I know you already know. I get that. You you may be thinking that, you know, well, this is just going over ground that I've already covered. I know who Jesus is. I know what's going to happen in this story. But you you got to understand, we have to continually be reminded of who he is and, and, and what he has done. Because, I mean, the battle against the world, the flesh, the devil, it, it never takes a break. It is only in the person and work of Christ that we have victory over the kingdom of this world. And we need to proclaim that victory to ourselves on a daily basis. So the first thing that we see in this text is that Jesus has compassion for this woman. Now, make sure you notice that the focus of the text seems to be on the woman, not on the dead man. Uh, the, the focus of the text is on his, his mother, who is floundering in the midst of this fear and doubt and grief. That's what verse 13 says. So these two crowds meet together. Verse 13 says, And when the Lord saw her... Notice, not him, not the dead man, when he saw her, the mother of this uh, one who had passed away, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, Do not weep. Now, make sure you don't confuse compassion with sympathy. It says Jesus had compassion on her. Sympathy is just looking at someone and feeling sorry for their predicament. You know, dang, I wish that wouldn't happen. Shucks, that really stinks for you. Uh, I wish you weren't having to go through this. But compassion here is not sympathy. The word translated compassion here is the same word that's used to show what the good Samaritan did for the beaten traveler. It's the same word that's used of the father who ran to meet the prodigal son as he returned home. This compassion isn't just a sorry feeling. Jesus is going to demonstrate the kind of compassion that he has for those who've been assaulted by sin and death. The first thing that he does is he gives her his word. He gives her a command. He gives her what we would you know, probably not want to tell people that are in the midst of grief. He tells her to stop crying. He tells her not to weep. Technically, he says, do not continue to weep. Do not continually be weeping. Uh, Now, imagine if you were standing there And you were following this woman who lost her only son. Uh, You were part of this funeral procession. Or or what if you were the woman herself, you know, who had just experienced the most excruciating thing that the fallen world has to offer, uh, and now there is just doubt, fear, uncertainty about your future, about your life, about everything that you know to be true. Um, Just imagine what you would think if if someone walked up to you and says, oh, stop crying. (laughs) I mean, don't cry, are you crazy? That's that's probably, as a hospital chaplain, I can tell you that this is absolutely the worst thing that you can ever say to a person who has experienced such loss. I mean, trust me, if a woman loses her child or a person loses a loved one in the hospital and you walk up and say, oh, it'll be all right, don't cry, I mean, you're liable to get cussed out by the whole family. Uh, of course, you know, you should let her cry. Are you Are you that insensitive? She's got to be able to grieve, you know, that is what she's supposed to be doing. You need to let her get it all out um, that what jesus says here is something that we we just We definitely shouldn't say in the moment of loss, but the difference between us and Jesus is that we don't have the power to change anything. Of course, you should let them grieve Mr. Hospital Chaplain because you can't do anything about it. Uh, We don't have the power to overcome death or the pain of sin in our own strength. Jesus wasn't doing what we do. He wasn't just giving the woman a platitude in, in the midst of her grief in hopes of making her feel better. He wasn't saying, you know sooner or later it'll just work out just keep your chin up and don't worry about it that's not that's what we would be doing if we walked up and said oh don't cry that's not what Jesus was doing Jesus is telling her not to continue crying because he has the power to change things he knows what he is about to do he knows what's going to happen in a few short moments the cause of her weeping in just a few moments will be gone so in essence Jesus is saying to her trust me Even in the midst of all this, even when you have no idea how this could ever work out or what you're going to do, stop weeping because I'm here. Now, I know, I know that you know this, but we must continually be reminded that we have the very word of Christ today. Think about all the pain all the suffering, all the uncertainty and the worry that you and I uh, go through in this life. And if you're not going through any right now, trust me, it's coming. No matter who you are or, or what's going on in your life, there is coming a time when you will experience the uncertainty and consequences of the fall. Sin, death, fear, doubt, uncertainty, worry, all these things are going to assail you eventually, if they're not already. Uh, it may come I mean, in various forms, but it will come. Uh, we know that we know that, and we have the the infallible Word of God to prepare us. Let me let me give you an example. Of what I mean, when the whole world crashes down around you, and you have no idea how you can make it, uh, the 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 effects of sin and the fall, when suffering and sorrow are, are are taking you uncontrollably, you have the Word of Christ that says, "I will never leave you." I will never forsake you. Uh, You have the word that says there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Uh, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. My God will supply your every need according to his riches and glory. We have the answers. We have the solution. But in the moment when all seems lost and everything is hopeless, why is it so hard to trust those, uh, those statements? Uh, Jesus knew in this moment what he was going to do. He knew. He knew that he was about to bring the man back to life. He can say to the woman, don't weep, because he is the one who is in control. He truly works all things for, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I wonder what she thought when he said, don't weep why is it so hard for us to take him at his word and obey his command and trust him even through the hopelessness that we face face sometimes in in this life he gave her the word and the command to trust him uh, we have that same word because we know this story we know what's about to happen we know what is going to happen he's going to bring this uh, young man back to life for this woman. He's going to do that. We know that. We've read this before, right? So if we were in the story, if we were present there that day, knowing what we know because God has showed it to us in, a, in, in his word, what would we tell the woman? What would we say to her? We would say the same thing that we say now, not knowing the future. We would say, just hold on. God has a purpose. God has a plan. God is going to make this right. God is going to work this out. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. We would say the same things that this that uh, we say now, today. When I when, um, walk into someone and they are suffering, I, I say the same, A brother in Christ, I say the same things that I would say to this woman, already knowing what would happen in her situation. So even when I don't know what's going to happen with you tomorrow, I can say uh, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. I can say uh, no weapon formed can come against you and prosper. I can say we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, not because we will not suffer, but because we know that God is the, the answer. Christ has the answer and a purpose in our suffering. And so Do not weep was not a platitude that Jesus said, like we say so often, it was a call to trust his word. It was a call to trust who he, he is. And today you got all kind of things that may be going on in your life, and he calls you today to choose to trust. And trust me, it's a fight, it's a war. You have to, it's like turning the channel on your TV when fear and worry and all those things start assailing your mind. It's like changing the channel. I refuse to dwell on it. I'm gonna think about baseball. I'm gonna think about you know whatever, whatever it is that you like. I'm going to change the channel and I'm gonna stick my fingers into my ears and I'm gonna say la 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 I'm not listening to you why because I I choose to trust in the Word of Christ but he gave her this word and, and the command of trust. But look at this in verse 14. He didn't just stand over her simply as, you know, the sovereign king speaking to his lowly servants. Uh, look at the first part of verse 14. He says, then he came up and he touched the bier and the bearers stood still. The beer was the, the platform where the dead body was being carried. Uh, he wasn't afraid to get right down in the pain and suffering with her. Uh, it's easy for us with our with our modern eyes to to read over this verse casually and not see the significance of what Jesus just did. Uh, but if you were a devout Jewish person walking along with uh, one who you you know thought might be the, the Messiah of God, who was promising the kingdom of God, you would have gasped at the sight of what Jesus has just done. In Jewish law, to touch a dead body or anything on which a dead body sat on or came in contact with, what happened? It defiled you. You were defiled, and and make sure you understand what that means. Uh, we know the power of Christ. We know that even from the previous section that that uh, that the the healing of the centurion servant that Jesus needed only to speak the word and sickness and death would obey. Jesus doesn't have to defile himself by touching the funeral beer here. He but just by the power of his word can just speak and death is, has to flee. It's gone. Jesus could say arise without coming and touching the the funeral procession. He could say arise. and the the young man would have risen and the effect would have been the same. But Jesus truly has compassion for this woman. He condescends to right where she is. He shows that he's not just sympathetic, but he places himself directly in her tragedy. Uh, Of course, we know that uh, that Jesus cleanses what he touches uh, but to all those watching it was as if Jesus' compassion for this woman uh, far outweighed uh, the effect of death uh, the effect of death was that it would defile you if you touched the body then you couldn't go into the temple you couldn't worship uh, you had to go through the ritual of purification uh, it would have defiled uh, a priest or a Levite or someone who went into worship you would have defiled yourself before God uh, by the Jewish law. Jesus cares not for any of that. It was this compassion for this woman that has brought him to this and he touched the, the funeral bier to stop this procession. Um, It's just, I mean, I don't think there's a greater picture of the gospel. Jesus, the eternal son of God, took on flesh and came in the likeness of a servant. He entered into the creation that he made and took upon himself the defilement of sin for, for the people who were enslaved to it. He allowed himself to face the same temptations that we face. He suffered the same pain that we suffered. He gave himself to the same death that we endure in this flesh. And he did it all because of his compassion for us who were under the power of darkness. He's not afraid to get down into the mud uh, with you in your situation. He's not a God who looks uh, upon us uh, as, uh, as one looking upon lowly peons scrambling around trying to figure things out. He is a, a God who's intimately involved in the very, uh, the, the very nature of our pain and our, and our concerns and our sin. Uh, he took our sin upon himself. And so, and then after injecting himself into, into uh, the, uh, the very circumstances of this funeral procession, then he spoke the authoritative word that all creation must obey. Verses the second part of verse 14 and verse 15 says, And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother with a simple word. The kingdom of God comes face to face with the kingdom of darkness and the effects of the fall are forced to leave. Death itself holds no power over the very word of God. The kingdom of God marches forward, breaking into reality again. I mean, get up and immediately he obeys. Death flees and the man sits up and begins to speak. This man is truly alive. It's not a parlor trick. Uh, it's no sleight of hand. This is the very power of God. He, he was truly trustworthy wasn't he when he told her not to weep he holds the answer it's jesus himself that breaks through this darkness and the the text says i love this it says he gave her back to his mother That sounds like a strange thing to say. I mean, it seems like this guy is kind of an adult son or at least a young man, uh, uh, you know, provider for his mother who doesn't have another provider. Why does Luke say that Jesus gave him to his mother? Well, Luke is drawing He's drawing a parallel to the raising of the widow's son by the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17. In that chapter, verse 21 of 1 Kings 17, the exact same phrase is used. Remember, uh, Elijah went and the the widow woman who fed him and her oil and and meal never ran out uh, and uh, then the son died and she sent for Elijah and Elijah came and he laid down on the boy three times and prayed and it says that same phrase is used Uh, it says Elijah gave him back to his mother exact same phrase Luke is showing that this Jesus who brings the kingdom of God is likened to the prophet Elijah and the people definitely picked up on the significance of it in verse 16 and 17 it says fear seized them all and they glorified God saying a great prophet has arisen among us and God has visited his people and this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and the surrounding country but there's something more here. The people recognize Jesus here as a great prophet uh, that's been sent by God among them and and, uh, indeed he is, Uh, but Luke will go on in his gospel to show us that Jesus is much more than just a prophet. He is the King of Kings. He is God himself, the second person of the Trinity. We can even see this in this section. When at the first moment Jesus approached her, it says, the Lord saw her and had compassion on her. It's easy for us to acknowledge Jesus as a prophet, a teacher, even as being sent by God, Savior of the world. But there's a difference between understanding that and submitting ourselves to him and to his word. He is Lord and King. Whether you believe He's Lord or King is irrelevant. Uh, Whether you like it or not is irrelevant. There is coming a day when every knee will bow to Him and every tongue will confess. And there is a day even now. We understand that all of creation, including the effects of the fall, sin and death, the uncertainty of life, the, the needs and the sorrows of this life, the things that we go through, these things are under his authority. And he is not an authority that sits up on high and, and just deals out, you know, irrespective of his people. Uh, he is an authority that has condescended and come low to be with us in our circumstances, to take on himself the very defilement that um, that is indicative of our state. He did that for us. He's a God that has compassion on his people, but he's also a God that has authority. When God says to you today, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you, I will provide for your every need. When God says to you today that uh, his grace is sufficient for you, when he says to you today that you are truly more than a conqueror in Christ, you and I have a choice we have a choice that we must make on a minute-by-minute basis, just like this woman. Uh, she was told not to weep because Jesus was there. She didn't know what was going to happen. She didn't know what he was going to do. She didn't even, it doesn't even say in the text that she had faith. It doesn't say in the text that she believed. It doesn't say that she believed after her son was raised. It doesn't say anything about her at all other than she had experienced the effects of of the fall and the kingdom of darkness death had taken her son and now her world was riddled with uncertainty jesus came up just from the compassion of his own heart and the authority by the authority of his word he said arise and that uh, that son arose but before that he told her don't don't weep because he knew what he was going to do even though she did not she would have been right to trust him and say, I trust you. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what you're going to do, but I trust in your word. Today, you have his word today. My God will supply your every need according to his riches in glory.